0: The following may contain offensive language, adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Rattledge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution, or don't listen at all. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a Rad Religion Broadcasting Premiere Podcast. Damn you, Hollywood! And here's your host, Robert Winfrey. Yay!
1: Well, everyone, congratulations, we made it. <laughs> it's 2023. The Earth has completed a revolution. Around the sun to the appointed place in space wherein we mark these things. And Mark, we're four days into the year. Mm-hmm. Four. And it sucks. <laughs> you
0: <laughs> you ain't kidding, buddy. So far this has been the worst year yet.
1: The worst year yet so far. <laughs> yeah exactly um, all right here's
0: what we're doing so every,
1: yeah so everyone knows what's up we're going to be reviewing the netflix uh, adaptation of all quiet on the western front all right that's gonna be my the first yeah all right fine fine no I, no sorry finish, go ahead That's okay. what you're saying so that's going to be the first part of our show the second part of our show will be our 2020 year in review wherein mark and i Attack on Titan style. Stand on the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> Remove spread- our pants and piss all <laughs> over everything.
0: I, with help from Jesse, made a fancy spreadsheet, and I can share did. that spreadsheet with all of you.
1: I saw it. I. It was it was fancy. You are a fancy lad, Mark Radulich.
0: That is what they call me, Fancy Radulich. All right, all quiet on the Western Front is well, the deal. first time anyone's <laughs> called you
1: fancy, and you know it
0: a 2022 epic anti-war film based on the 1929 novel of the same name by Erich Maria Remarque, directed by Edward Berger. It stars Felix uh, Kammerer, Albrecht Schuch, Daniel Brühl of Marvel fame, Sebastian Hulk, not that Hulk, Aaron Hilmer, Eden Hasanovich, and David Streisau. Set in the closing days of World War I, it follows the life of an idealistic young German soldier named Paul Bäumer After enlisting in the German army with his friends, Bomber finds himself exposed to the realities of war, shattering his early hopes of becoming a hero as he does his best to survive. The film adds a parallel storyline not found in the book, which follows the armistice negotiations to the end of the war. You know, it's funny. Um, I remember we did Munich last year for our year in review. And, you know, it was sort of like setting, but also following our tradition of like the January war movie. Um, and I, which I, is a nice tradition. Um, yeah. Um, I'm mildly amused that this is like three years in a row we've done not just a war picture at the beginning of the year, but a World War One picture. Like well, we technically 19... speak... well, technically
1: okay. speaking, Munich would be more about World War II than World War One, but...
0: Right. Um, yeah, true. <laughs> Good point. We did 1917, we did Munich, um, and then we did... Uh, now we're doing All Quiet on the Western Front. And um, my question to you... Did you have you ever seen the original film? Did you read the book?
1: I've read the book a long time ago. It's been it's been years. Like I think it was in high mm-hmm. school when I read it. I have not seen the first film adaptation. I know it exists, and I've heard mm-hmm. good things about it. So I, it's one of those I haven't gotten around to looking at. Um, I don't think we need to go through the plot of this movie all that much. Like here's the plot, in brief summary. I can be very quick with this. Sure. Um, we follow again, primarily Paul Baumer as he is on deployed to the Western Front after volunteering after graduating high school. Um, like many young men of the time, he's idealistic, he's uh, he buys into the propaganda about war. He and his friends all are all deployed together, which was a practice at the time. That's not that was not exclusively a German thing, um, that was a thing in England and France, England, very. England learned this lesson very hard um, after the first couple of years of World War I, when the entire male populations of whole towns were wiped out because they, no one was ready for what industrial war was like in Europe when World War I broke out, nobody. right? Um, so we follow them, they are deployed, goes badly. Uh, one of them dies, one of his friends dies. We flash forward about uh, several months and they're not on the front lines anymore but still in proximity they're engaging in soldierly shenanigans they're stealing from the local farmers they're lamenting that the only question they will be asked when the war is over is did you ever see close combat it would in a very poignant scene actually for me that one because there's i believe it was cats Mm -hmm. you know he's sitting there they've stolen this goose from a local farmer and they're cooking it and they're eating, it. and they're happy to have like meat for the first time in a while
0: It's a, It's a great scene by the way
1: It really is and he just kind of takes half a minute as he's, as he's eating and just and the only thing anyone's going to ask is if we saw combat like these are the moments that you remember these are the moments that stick with you and the only thing people's going to ask is you know, how many people did you kill right um so they wind up doing another bit at the front. We get to see some tanks that actually work, which is something of a rarity in World War One. Um, a lot <laughs> of it did not function properly. Uh, his other friends are killed, but he manages to survive. There's a brutal scene where he kills another fr- uh, a Frenchman in a crater from artillery in an artillery crater. Um, he winds up again back with Katz. Cats winds up being, or Cat winds up being shot by the farmer's little kid. Uh, Unfortunately, fatally, it's a small caliber gun, but he gets shot right in the liver and winds up bleeding out. Uh, Mark mentioned the armistice being negotiated. It's signed, and it goes into effect, very famously, at 11 o'clock on November 11th, Um, because People in power tend to have a flair for the dramatic, I suppose. (laughs) I suppose they do. They always have. Always will. Something about that type of personality. Um, And the general in charge of this area of the battle has decided that because it goes into effect at 11 o'clock, we have one more push and we will take back this last bit of area for germany and the fatherland and
0: i was like this is no man's land right this was where like it was like a major uh expanse of land that i think they said that nobody had made any progress on for years
1: that's all of the western front
0: right well i only bring it up because people listen to this podcast it's the scene from wonder woman where sort she of runs across the battlefield taking well, taking fire and all of that that's what they were referring to
1: well okay a couple of things about that For, no mm-hmm. man's land was just any place between the trenches right I mean, there's no like this sub area of france was no man's land it was if we had, if the german line is here mm-hmm. the french line is here and th- these would move right like this is this is this is famously how this war was fought mm-hmm. you would fight over like okay our main trenches are here so we fight to these trenches and then if we're lucky, we take these trenches and they fall back to the trenches over here, and then they push back and take these, and we fall back, and they push here and take this, and then we yeah, repeat it's the worst this. game of
0: football you've ever saw you've ever seen.
1: It really is. <laughs> and any the entire area between where they were entrenched was no man's land. It was littered with the dead, men and horses. It was a wasteland of barbed wire, shell holes, and gunfire. That you just prayed if you if you ca- if the order came in to charge and you charged, if you got caught out there, you had to hopefully get low enough, get in a hole, and wait until nightfall, and then hopefully crawl back to your own lines, or hope that you got one of the periods of time when both sides would declare a temporary ceasefire so we can go collect our dead, which happened. Not infrequently, but wasn't a regular occurrence. And they they what they're trying to take here is a specific like hill, I think, like, like a specific mm-hmm. subset of land that this this general wants them to have, which I'll yell about this in a second because it's part of the message of the movie. but so the attack goes off, and with and it's bloody and brutal as all of these attacks are. And Paul saves another poor hapless sop who just barely got off the, you know, like, just gets off the truck to be on the front as they're about to charge. Saves his life, but in the process with mere seconds to go before the armistice takes effect while fighting another soldier, he is bayoneted from behind. And lives just long enough to see peace, to see the armistice take effect. And that's kind of, and that's basically the end of the movie.
0: Um, All right. Uh, so a couple of things. One, uh, just this came out, uh, this debuted at the Toronto International Film Festival on September 12th, and then it went to Netflix October 28th, 2022. It is, uh, in both German and French and English. Um, it's a little over two hours and um, yeah, <clears throat> two hours and 27 minutes long.
1: It's about 220, then you, you gotta yeah. kind of add in the credits.
0: Um, And you might be like well why are they doing it now it's like it's one of the ones i wanted to do but you know if you'll remember uh october 28th was also new new was also pray for the devil and then the following week i think was black panther and so there was just
1: it was the start we were pretty booked from november through december yeah like there was a lot of stuff
0: right so part of part of the reason why we did munich last year and why we're doing it this year was these don't take a tremendous amount these are not the movies we spend a long time talking about, so there's extra time to talk about the year in review stuff. And here's what I like about this movie. Uh, actually, before we do, Edward Berger, who directed it, uh, his filmography, um, a couple of things that he's done. 2019, he did All My Loving. Um, he's done some TV. Looks like he does most of his stuff out of uh, Germany, which makes sense. He's won a bunch of awards, so it's you know it's nobody that you've ever heard of. Um, the thing I think where where this movie is the most successful is in two areas. One, the cinematography and the no. special effects—they kind of play hand in hand because it's graphic. You know, there is definitely some graphic depictions of de- uh, war death, but it's not gratuitous. This isn't splatterhouse. I think they they were going for dramatically accurate, and they, they took, yeah it.
1: they they
0: they largely accomplished that.
1: Th- there's a sentiment about. There's a prevailing sentiment, especially amongst American anti-war film, mm-hmm. like the, the anti-war thought, that we have to make it ridiculous. Right. I mean, even the ones that try to be a bit more grounded, they tend to be a bit on the ridiculous side. I mean, yeah, something the, like this, Platoon, by way of example. Like if,
0: if we show you, if we show you a lot of graphic death, if we show you, you know, um, you know, our boys, American boys or whatever, uh, going into the meat grinder. People rise up and resist the governments and you know, uh, wanting to do this, such a thing. And it's like, yeah, it
1: never works out that way, but at least well, not in the last 50 years. Well, so you get stuff like again, you get stuff like Platoon, where you've clearly got like a, uh, a morality play in a battle over Charlie mm-hmm. Sheen's soul between a couple right. of major characters, you get stuff like um, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, where the entire first half of the movie is dedicated to breaking down the human psyche. Yep, to to a tragic end. Um, and well, well, what this movie does more successfully than the. Bear in mind, Mm -hmm. like I I love Full Metal Jacket; it's a wonderful movie. Sure, but if you want to make an anti-war, if you want to be anti-war, which war is it? One of those things that should never happen. Again, should reality Mm -hmm. is not nearly that neat in fact war is arguably a more natural state of being for nations and it conflicting interests in pieces it's a historical thing not a not a commentary on anything contemporary but you don't need to embellish world war one like right all you have to do is tell the story of some of those battles accurately and the simple fact of like the truth itself becomes every statement you need to make.
0: Well, that's what I wanted to, um, I want to interject there because that's the thing that I think is most successful about this movie besides the cinematography and the CG and the, um, special effects, which I think, you know, again, I I use the term dramatically accurate. The other thing that really works about this movie is I think it's a really great example of something we talk about all the time, which is present the story you can take you can take a perspective you can have an aesthetic um but largely just present the story for people and let them make up their own mind yeah. um maybe you know if you if you have a narrative perspective let the audience decide if you're right don't beat them over the head with it as um as graphic and as violent as all quiet on the western front is and that's there's, there's a clear uh i think narrative perspective as there is in the book i think what's great about it and what largely works best about it is the fact that you, as the audience member, really are left to decide what this is, and you know, is this good or is this bad? What you know, how do you, how do you, as the individual, feel about it? The movie's not telling you how to feel. Yeah. The movie is just existing. You have to make that decision, and you were sort of left with this graphic depiction, uh, grammatically graphic depiction of war, and then to decide. Is this, are, are these goals worth pursuing? Is this something to be avoided? You know, to what effect does this have on the soldiers and the people there? And I think All Quiet on the Western Front does a great job of presenting those things for you to think about. Um, the performances are all pretty spot on. The, uh, you know, Daniel Bruhl, I think, does a great job in his role. Uh, nobody's really like over the top or. Like there's no single standout performance, so much as there is a great ensemble, all kind of everyone holding holding up this thing pretty equally. And at two and a half hours about ish, I this didn't necessarily feel its length, but I would say the last thirty to forty minutes, though I was like, Okay,
1: we gotta we gotta start wrapping up here. Like I don't don't think the movie is pissed bordered. Yeah. It, it bordered on it. Like I'm with you. Like by the time we got to the end, it was like, okay, it's time for the end.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> I don't. Again, I don't think it's paced badly. I think the movie keeps up a good tempo. I think there's um within within the realm of acceptability, some good tonal shifts that go on throughout it. Uh it, as you said, I'll, I'll use your word. I'll echo them. It bordered on being too long. I don't think it i don't think it was to, i don't think it was too long i think it ended just about right but like i said towards the end there you definitely are like okay like you know and david bowie and david bowie ah david bowie um for people who heard our last review where uh, i could not wait for moonage daydream to end and it just went on forever um i don't have a tremendous amount to add to this uh except to talk about maybe some of the awards that it's either won or up for um,
1: There's a couple of things uh, before you get into that, just very briefly. Mm-hmm. The costuming here is very good; it's very accurate. Yeah. Um, the makeup effects are very good. Some of the times when they have like caked on mud that starts to dry, like that's a very oh, the one guy,
0: effect. the one soldier who he has to like, cut the buttons off and everything, um, and he's got the caked on mud and it looks like he's a lizard. He's got like a lizard yeah. skin. That that is fantastic.
1: I've seen people with that. Mm -hmm. um that's a hard effect to get (laughs) Mm -hmm. so kudos to the appropriate department for that um yeah it's like i agree with you about the acting you know there's nothing here that like really shines but everything is very good Mm -hmm. uh yeah uh i don't have a again i don't really have anything negative to say here this is uh movie that's well worth your time to watch it's a very deliberately harrowing experience and i i mean that is a compliment like it's it is everything it sets out to be in that respect
0: yeah um as far as the awards go and i like to talk about this stuff because we're 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 more in tune now to what's going on in award season and this thing i think is up for or will end up being up for um best foreign film uh so it's worth it it's worth talking about and seeing. Um, yeah, it's list of German submissions for the Academy Award for Best International Film Feature. Um, so, yes, I think that's what it's nominated for. But it won uh, the National Board Review for Top Five Foreign Language Films, Best Adapted Screenplay, which, real quick about that. So, like I said, the movie's in English. I was trying to explain this to my wife. The movie's in English, but it's a German film. I'm guessing there was a couple of different audio tracks.
1: Well, um, it's original. Uh, hang on. It's originally in German. Mm-hmm. Everyone is speaking German. Right. There are, uh, it can, there were dub tracks for both English and French.
0: That's what I was saying. Like there, there are different audio tracks
1: for this. Um, but it's and- originally German. I watched it right. in German. Just ha- I've read subtitles because I'm not a heathen.
0: But the other really funny thing about that is some some of the title credits. Are in like like when all quiet on the Western Front comes off, it's in German. Yeah. And so it's re- really funny because I guess in this version of it, the version that was uploaded to Netflix that I watched, there's two different subtitles, one above and one below. That have have...
1: it. Okay, you have probably had the English as well as the closed captioning on instead of just the English subtitles. Maybe I thought I had them off, but I just I was amused I by I, that. That would be my that would be my guess, but yeah. <laughs> um
0: uh so European Film Awards, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Visual Effects, one of those. It was nominated for a Washington, D.C. Area Film Critics Association for Best, in- Best International Foreign Language Film, um, the St. Louis Gateway Film Critics Association for Best International Film, and they got fourth place in the Dallas-Fort Worth Film Critics Association for Best Foreign Language Film. Um, it's currently nominated, or it says pending, rather. Uh, for the San Diego Film Critics Society, Golden Globes for Best Motion Picture Foreign Language, <coughs> <coughs> Critics' Choice, Hollywood's Critics, and the Alliance of Women Film Journalists, that vaunted uh, establishment.
1: Long and rich history there.
0: Yeah. So, all right. Um, it might be the shortest review we've ever done.
1: Uh, yeah, again, it's just a really good movie. There's not a whole lot that I kind of feel compelled to get into. Uh, When it comes to it's something of a classic story that most people are at least somewhat familiar with. It's well executed. Uh, Last thing I want to say on the topic before we move on a couple of resources for those of you who might be curious, if this has kind of got you interested in world war one, which is a almost like comically neglected setting for not just war movies in general, but a lot of film uh, world, world war one gets overlooked a lot for reasons that are not entirely clear to me, (laughs) Um, uh, but if you, so, hang on. So if you're interested on, in that, well, I
0: was gonna say I think on like modern culture, maybe not as much anymore because some stuff just has been lost over time. But I remember, my, I grew up. Uh, I was born in 1976. My grandparents were part of the Greatest Generation, and I want to say that World War II probably had the most lasting effect on anyone that was alive between 1930
1: and 1980.
0: Almost certainly. Uh, um. More so than World War One, like I think World World War Two was just one of those. It's like you know, like a nine eleven or JFK assassination or you know things like that, where it's just like it had a profound effect on everybody, on you know, a- on everyone that knew of it, that was a part of it in one way, shape, or form. It was a, it was not just a historical event; it was a cultural event. And I and I don't know if that's the case with World War One. I. I mean, you could also make the it, same case about like
1: World War One probably would have been if mm-hmm. World War Two hadn't followed it.
0: Yeah, sure. It. Everyone pays attention to the sequel.
1: In uh, the same way, that you could argue Vietnam's a sequel to Korea.
0: Also, you got to remember the other thing about World War Two. Not only, you know, World War Two is where we unveil the atomic bomb and use it. You know, World a different...
1: War. Well, two is also two is also easier to understand from a moral perspective.
0: Yeah, World War One. I, I was trying to explain this to my son not that long ago, you know, trying to explain to him like what happened with World War One, and it was kind of the a- the end of the age of empires, you know, they, yeah. and they celebrated with a world war, whereas World War Two was very much the revenge sequel, but it was also very much delineate. Like you can make an argument for sort of uh, you know militaristic relativism for World War One, you yeah. can't with World War Two.
1: World- yeah. World War 1 is a lot World War 1 is kind of just the clash of how things used to be done with modern technology. Yeah. Like, war was a tool for all of the great European empires. And for the American empire as well, which we had an empire at the time. War was a tool. Most of the time, and this is one of the things people forget about a lot of wars. Like the last war in Europe before World War 1. Would have been, I believe, the Franco-Prussian War. I mean, there were some conflicts yeah. in Russia, but like the last like major kind of thing was the Franco-Prussian War. So even before Germany exists. Right. We have the Franco-Prussian War, which was like 40 years before the outbreak of World War One. The Franco-Prussian war lasted like months, like mm-hmm. no time at all. Like a, a couple of months. I'd have to double check exactly. It was not a long war. That's how wars usually were fought in Europe at the time. Was you know, they weren't pretty. when people talk about you know war used to be romanticized it was thought of as a grand adventure like i'm not saying war wasn't hell it always is it always will be it's the nature of war but as a general rule when you look at how armies were how wars were conducted you didn't have high casualties like this is a myth of movie making by and large Mm -hmm. like there was um there's a much more accurate depiction. Uh, talk about the Scottish uh, Revolution. It's on Netflix as well. So it's Chris Pine. It's called The Outlaw King, and it deals with Robert the Bruce. And the finale for that is a battle, as of course it is. It's a medieval, you know, epic war movie. We end with a battle. Like, and there's a lot of people dying in the movie. In the actual battle, there were less than like, I think it was less than a hundred deaths. Mm-hmm. Death was not really as common. So a lot of these notions about like the romantic side of war pre-World War I, yeah, they downplayed the horror, but the, the, it wasn't nearly as like maliciously untrue as right. we tend to think of it now.
0: I also don't know of any situations kind of like the storming of, of the beach of Normandy.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Where you have
0: true. boatloads of people running into mortar fire. You know, it, the, that that tacit recognition that you were probably going to die in that battle um, and those who lived having to carry that survivor's guilt home with them. Um, the, the other thing I was going to say about World War Two is, you know, I joked about it kind of being like, a, it's, you know, it's a revenge plot. You, have, you know, you have Germany. Who I was explaining this to my son, It was just like, well, they all agreed to go to war, but, but because Germany lost, they had to pay for it, and Germany was like, "What the hell?" And then and then you have sort of the uh, you know cultural racist antagonism between the Chinese and the Japanese. Be um, bearing, you know.
1: bearing in mind for for anyone who doesn't know this. Mm-hmm. The conflict between Japan and China was going on well before the outbreak of World War II, as we understand it. Like mm-hmm. before world war ii breaks out japan has already installed um a puppet government over a set over a part of korea i believe it's north of uh not north korea but north of korea there's a big chunk of china that they set up as the um essentially a fake puppet government they called it manchokwo and yeah, there the we don't talk about it and i don't know why and i don't and I mean this when I say I don't know why. The Japanese racism was <laughs> like actually worse than the Nazi racism, which yeah, might sound a, really weird it's, 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 if you don't know what happened.
0: It's a, in 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 sort of modern history, Japan's treatment of China, and a lot of people don't know this. The Philippines
1: you know, and New well, Guinea invaded. get so
0: fixated on like the Holocaust and everything, and certainly this is not going to be a minimization of the Holocaust, but because. It's like we just kind of care about people who look like us. No one realizes just how bad the Japanese were.
1: Feel free to look up the rape of Nan King.
0: You you said it before I got to it, but yeah. It's, it's or
1: pretty... again, like, and I mean this in all sincerity, like what they did to some of the Australian colonies along the Solomon mm-hmm. Islands, like the horror stories from the Japanese campaign are at a bare minimum identical to anything and everything the Nazis or the Soviets did. Right. And anyway. The long and the short of that is, if you're interested in World War One, let me give you two resources if you're curious. Um, there's a series, there's a podcast series from Hardcore History called Blueprint for Armageddon. I can't remember if it's four or five episodes long. Um, that's a really, a really good, you know, series of podcasts to listen to on the subject. There's also the YouTube channel The Great War, which one of their playlists is their week by week coverage of World War One. They started on the 100th anniversary of the start of World War One. So, if you want to get a slightly more detailed week by week breakdown, some by the same guys who do the uh, World War II in real time series, which, if you're not following that and you're even a- anything approximating history buff, shame on you. They do great work.
0: So, all right. And now, finally, what we've all been waiting for the whole mm-hmm. reason we're here tonight, ladies and gentlemen, it's the money. We the money. Alrighty, let's get
1: down to so, business. This is where Mark and I pull out our genitalia and urinate all over everything Hollywood did last year.
0: <laughs> um, I would love to show you my screen. There we go. Finally, <laughs> that's what she said. All right. Uh, first, let's do uh the typical money stuff. The weekend of December 30th through January 1st, the transition from uh 2022 into 2023. Uh, Avatar, three weeks in a row, the number one movie, breaking all kinds of records. We'll get to where it stands worldwide in just a moment. and Boots, uh, two weeks in a row. it was that? Number two. Black Panther, uh back in theaters? <laughs> I'm not no, sure no, what no. happened it just, here. It,
1: no, it just Rose. A lot of Jumped people over the three, yeah. A lot of people over the last over the New Year weekend wanted to go see a movie. I guess some of them decided mm-hmm. to go see that. Um we have the date for Black for Wakanda Forever coming out on
0: February 1st I think it is.
1: Yeah, it's something like we have it's Disney Plus date so. Yeah.
0: Uh Wisney Houston I want to dance with somebody felt from 3 to 4, Babylon 4 to 5, oof more on that in a minute. Violent night 5 to Ooh. 6 the whale <clears throat> maintaining its spot number 7
1: good for the whale.
0: <clears throat> the menu which I believe is now on HBO Max which I thought was Odd. It is. like picture. Yeah, I would have thought that would have been on Hulu. But, you know, who um, knows what they worked out.
1: It is on HBO Max. And If you didn't see it in theaters, feel free to watch it on HBO Max. We gave mm-hmm. it a pretty good review. Uh,
0: the Fable Mint's Drop to Nine. Strange World maintained its position at number 10. <laughs> All right. Strange I may- <laughs> World. <laughs> uh, I made it gold. Oh, no. <clears throat> was in limited release. It'll be on wide release, I believe, this coming weekend.
1: It's going 18. Of, um...
0: Yeah. And then Turn Every Page Adventures of Robert Caro and Robert Gottlieb debuted at number 29. Um, <clears throat> all right. Worldwide. <coughs> well, that's weird. That's the... Um... You're going to have to change your year. No, I know, but I'm just... I stopped for a second, Oh. because this isn't supposed to be out. That's the new um, Kai Ritchie. It's out somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so, so someone's watching it. I guess well, someone's made, watching it overseas, at least. Made about 1500 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, so... Currently, um, rapidly catching up on its tail. Avatar, The Way of the Water at number yeah. two. At, next uh, week,
1: next week that'll be number one. That, yeah. That'll surpass Maverick. Uh,
0: top Gun currently in the number one position, but they are within six million of each other. That's pretty impressive. Uh, j- <clears throat> then we have Jurassic World, Doctor Strange, Minions, Black Panther, The Batman, Thor, Love, and Thunder. And then two um, foreign movies made it into the top ten, knocking out some of the other ones. Uh, Watergate Bridge and Moon Man. Um okay wait wait literally yes. last time you get to do the joke oh here are the current movies that did... <clears throat> here are the movies that all did better movies. than Morbius this year Yep, all the movies
1: from 2022 that did better than Morbius
0: Fantastic Beasts, Son of a Hedgehog, Uncharted, Black Adam Elvis, The Bad Guys, Bullet Train, Lightyear, Too Cool to Kill Smile, Nice View, DC League of Super Superbats The Lost City, One Piece Nope, Ticket to Paradise ah, and coming at number 27 and let's see where are
1: you, you useless second?
0: Oh, it went up six places. It went from fifty-seven to fifty-one. Strange world. It Probably finally understand.
1: surpassed the Northmen.
0: Oh, good for good for it.
1: No, not All good right. for it, but fair enough.
0: <laughs> uh, this weekend, we've got uh, in wide release "Women Talking," which I think is on the shortlist for best picture,
1: of uh, course, at least yes. a nomination.
0: And then the one that we're going to be reviewing is "Megan," which is from Universal, and it's a PG-13 sci-fi horror about a killer doll. You may have heard of such things. All right, January 13th is when a man called Otto goes into wide release. It's going up against Lionsgate, more on Lions. <laughs> Let's see if Lionsgate makes it through the end of this year cuz yikes. Uh they are they, releasing had re-
1: they had dude, they had a real bad 2022. Oivy,
0: I like if they don't get bought by Netflix by the end of this year, I'll really be surprised. And I'll t- we'll talk about that in a minute cuz there's I was reading about like why it hasn't been bought yet. Um, in limited release is a movie that was supposed to be a Max. Num- Hang
1: on, It hasn't been bought because there's a finite number of places that could buy it without violating antitrust laws.
0: That's about the size of it. Um, they're waiting for some like antitrust regulation stuff to kind of you know sort itself out before anyone buys anything else. So I think Lionsgate is only existing in its own company right now because people are just waiting.
1: It, but, it uh, and Sony are like just in a dead yeah. heat to see who gets bought out first.
0: <laughs> uh, House Party. Uh, which is supposed to be, uh, went straight to HBO Max, is in limited release. January 20th, uh, Missing is, I mean, we're not going to review it. We're going to do Knives Out instead. But um, Missing is the big (laughs) wide release that weekend. In limited release, but it got a fair amount of buzz on the internet, is the A24 um, film directed by uh, your favorite actor, the one who played Lex Luthor. Um, When you finish it, that's the one. And then a sequel to the father, which we reviewed in a triple feature, the son, is in huh. limited release. Yes. And then finally, I'm not sure that
1: movie needed a sequel, but okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, in wide release, we have Fear, and we have some... oh Distant, which is I think a sci-fi comedy. And I left it off the list this year because I did not want to torture Robert. Um, so same reason it. why, same reason why February third we're doing Knock at the Cabin and not 80 for Brady. And I only mention that because there are like legit people around me in my social circle that are, um, that legitimately want us to think 80 for Brady sounds fucking hilarious and legitimately want to see it.
1: Okay, look, I appreciate that there's people for whom that might hold interest. Sure. I'm not seeing it for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. One. You're a guy. Yes. <laughs> Two, I would only do it if I could bring my aunt with me and torture her because she right. hates Tom Brady. All
0: right, so we've been doing this a few years now, and we like, we'll like, kind of like compare notes. We'll, before Box Office Mojo put a paywall in and completely changed the way the site works, there were some really easy graphs and charts that we could access to kind of answer some of these questions. This year... Um, I put it up on screen, but for those of you listening to audio over if you can't well, really let see, let me just,
1: just, before we get into this, I want to go into the details in specific here with well,
0: you. Hang on. Me... I was trying to, I, let, I right. want to tell people what I did, and then okay. I'll pitch it back to you. So, and I'll go to my screen here. I went through the major studios, Universal, Paramount, and these are now in who these are now in from ascending to, uh, from the highest to lowest who had the highest pro- profit uh, of any studio and it goes Universal, Paramount, Disney, wba 24 which tells you a lot. Sony, MGM, Amazon, Orion, United Artists, Lionsgate, Roadside Attraction. So if you'll notice, um, I, I went out of my way to include not just the major studio, but if they had a, uh, an art house prestige line like Universal Focus Features, Disney has Fox Searchlight, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a lot of these studios have like subdivisions and little mini studios within them. So I went out of my way to pull every single movie that fell into any one of those uh, studios or sub-studios, and I listed them all here. And the things that we were interested in, I'll go back to Universal, uh, the things that we were interested in were the budget. Now, we're doing easy math here. The standard for profitability and you know, things like Black Adam and you know, and Avatar, there's always exceptions to this rule, but for easy math and for discussion purposes, we took the budget, we times it by two. This was the number to beat, okay? So for, like, Jurassic World Dominion, it had to be, you know, it had to make more than $370 million in order to be profitable. This is for every single film, every single studio I did this for. And then we did the worldwide gross. My problem with a lot of American journalism is it tends to focus on the domestic box office as if that's all that matters, except that domestic box office hasn't mattered in years now. It really only mattered, you know,
1: you, you, you don't get a, it. The, mat- best- Hang on it matters a lot more when you don't have a china released. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, sure. But my point is like for discussion purposes, like there's a lot there was a narrative out there that Paramount was the big winner this year because you know Top Gun Maverick had this big like domestic uh you know thing and then there was a lot of talk of like oh the, the movies are back because um you know domestic gross was xyz versus uh what it was in 2020 and 2021. And I said, you know, but really what you want to know is what the I... worldwide gross is. Oh, well, and hang that on. and we I want to talk about. Yeah, we can, and we can talk about what a lie it is that people are like the movies are back because that's not true uh, either. Um, yeah,
1: l- let me address that right off the top here. Yeah, like th- yeah. before we talk, like, I-, I want this to be the back, the the backdrop for everything else we talk about here in detail. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, we all admit we can all you, me, everyone with a functioning brain. Mm-hmm. We all give every movie studio a pass on 2020, right? Right. Yep. Give them a pass on 2021. Right. The fact that the worldwide box office takes for those years was in the toilet was pandemic. Right. You and I have been saying for months, plenty of other people longer than that. 2022, you don't have that excuse anymore. Right. right. Nowhere is, and parts of China are locked down, but the United States is not locked down. Like the the bug is out there, but nothing is, there. there are no restrictions. Right. Right. So your excuses are gone. The worldwide box office take for The Year of Our Lord 2022 was a little over 7 billion dollars. To put that in perspective, 2019, the last year before the pandemic, had a box office t- worldwide box office take of north of 11 billion. Right. To make this worse, so you all understand, the last time the yearly box office take was only 7 billion in that range was like 2001. Every year since then, you've had some that were up and down a little bit, but in general, it escalated. You got more takes each year. You guys ran out of excuses this year. You didn't have anything to say like, no, this is why we're suffering. And you you had like a two decade low when we remove your the anomaly of yeah. the pandemic. All right, so back that's to, the backdrop for this.
0: Yeah. All right, so back to what these charts are. So we have a profitability chart, and Jesse color coded it for me and everything, and it's basic yes no. Did it make more than column C here at, you know t- twice the budget? Yeah, it did or it didn't.
1: Yeah. And, and then and, and for the record, there's a couple of instances where we're where Marker. I might bring up the marketing budget that should be accounted for a little bit here. Those are again, they're kind of the outliers. Most of that is somewhat baked in. Most of that is allowed for into different ways, but it does. It does bear repeating that in certain cases, the the advertising budget can exceed the production budget even. So, all right. So we have a
0: profit it. loss column. I mean, this, um, so this was the amount of money the movie made after uh, twice the budget. So, for example Jurassic Park uh made a, a billion three it had a profit you know on a 370 million dollar budget
1: well you needed 370 million to break even
0: yeah 300 for for conversational purposes I'm that's the way I'm saying it for okay. a 370 million dollar combined production and marketing budget everyone's with me it made and had a profit well, of 633 million. And then I added a day and date column because I think that needs to be taken into account. So like Halloween ends, which was profitable, but it may have made more money had it not been day and date on Peacock. Um, Marry Me, same thing. Uh Firestarter, et cetera, et cetera. So um that's that. All right. Now, before we get into breaking some of these down, and then then right here we have this is how we rank these uh based on what was the total profit loss for the studio. So just real quick, Universal won, which I, we need to talk about that, because the big narrative that's out there – you still there? I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Just okay.
1: getting up. All right.
0: The the big narrative that's out there is that, oh, the big winner this year was Paramount because of Top Gun Maverick, but I don't think people did the math here. Like, I don't think there's people that really look that are looking at this in the granular detail that we are, <clears throat> because, like I said – well, first of all, nobody released more movies than Universal, and I think that in in, in large part that's what led to their success. Because yeah, if, you, uh, well, you you well, get to some of these where it's like less than like, like, like WB had like five releases or some shit. It's like
1: like well, a crazy little amount. I'm for the record, like anyone saying that Paramount won big just because of Top Gun Maverick is limiting their discussion points to one: the domestic box office, mm-hmm. and two. Um, like they're basing it on the fact market top, share.
0: Well, I was gonna say they're basing it on the fact that Top Gun: Maverick was the number one worldwide movie of the year based on um, worldwide gross.
1: Which it won't but be, by they're, the,
0: but they're by not time. looking at the total studio take. And so that's something I really want to let's let let's get into that real quick. So Universal released twenty nine pictures and had a profit of one. You know, uh, it had a profit of one point fifteen billion after spending. Uh, sorry. It spent two point twenty nine billion between production and marketing. It made three. Well, we don't know
1: the marketing budget, but
0: again, I'm going off the second column here of twice. I know.
1: Well, uh, okay, hang on, just so everyone understands where the two X comes from. Mm -hmm. You need to double your production budget because theaters take fifty five percent of the ticket sales because they have to stay open okay Or they forty-five. Um, like some of that changes a little bit depending on the studio or the theater like there there is some variability for a while there. I
0: think Disney was taking like ridiculous amounts to the point where some theaters were like you know what you can keep your fucking star Wars movie
1: yeah I <laughs> I believe so but that's where that comes from like you so if your product the point there being if your advertising budget was also your production budget you didn't need to double your production budget in the theaters to break even you actually needed to quadruple it
0: okay so it's spent. Theoretically, $2.29 um, It made $3.45 with it. So it came for the profit of $1.15 as opposed to Paramount, who released significantly less movies, released 13, many of which were profitable. It actually, I mean, like Paramount did well. Like no one's taking that away from it. You know, it had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven out of the 13, out of the 12, rather, uh, movies that it released. Dude. Seven of them, seven of them were, were profitable,
1: just, and just for the record, if uh, if they don't release Babylon, they have a much better year. <laughs> well, I was getting to that, and it's like they were sitting. They they
0: probably would have beaten um, Universal. They probably would be the number one studio of twenty twenty two had it not been for Margot Robbie. <laughs> yep. So Top Gun. So here, box office poison, Margot Robbie. They spent one point twenty one billion. Um. And they made 2.135 uh, billion for a profit of 928 and you can and if you look at Babylon, right on a 160 million dollar uh, combined budget, 11 million when I when at, at the time that I did this, which was a couple of days ago, which is why the avatar numbers are going to be off too because that made that in just the time that I that, that I spent finalizing my numbers, it made more money but I, you got to draw a line somewhere. So at the time of at the time of me writing up this spreadsheet, Babylon had only made eleven million dollars off one hundred and sixty. It's one hundred and forty nine million dollar loss. You cut that <clears throat> cut that out. <clears throat> you know you throw in <clears throat> one hundred and fifty million dollars back into the budget. Holy cow, right? Yeah. Pretty good. It, it it puts them right there with I I don't have I don't have it exactly, but it puts them right there with Universals one point one five. Yeah,
1: it's real like, close. It's real I mean, close. how do you
0: not want to punch Damien Chazelle right in the dick if you're Paramount? Um speaking of <laughs> now they're the number three studio of the year, but look why. So Disney pretty much succeeds almost exclusively on the strength of Marvel and Avatar.
1: No, no, no. S- hey, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's be very clear about what we're about to say when it comes to Disney. Mm-hmm. It's Avatar, and that's it. Like, well, I, can... I, I absolutely can dismiss a lot of those. because, Look, Black Panther in particular, right? Mm-hmm. Here's why I dismiss Black Panther. Here's why I tell you Black Panther lost the money. They didn't release the, the advertising budget for Black Panther, but it was almost the same as their production budget.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because and i know that and we know this because people have talked about it like this isn't a big secret everything else that was going to be released around then had no advertising like the the uh, the budget that might have gone to strange world or something similar it got rolled into this it got rolled into black panther it was spend more spend more spend more advertise this movie my god look at
0: the look at the loss on strange world going off at the 360 million combined budget $67 67 million when I did this. That's a 293 million dollar loss. Yep. They made almost a billion dollars in profit just on Marvel. I hear what you're saying, but let's not get too in the weeds here. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, this is this is easy math for discussion purposes. But based on the strength of three Marvel movies and Avatar and a handful of focus features, you know, The Menu and Barbarian, they make close to a billion if not just over. Like Strange World, and to a little bit lesser degree, but not much lesser, Lightyear, what a complete fucking disaster. We're talking about $500 million in losses, just about.
1: Might as well have set it on fire to keep the homeless warm. Well, I'll tell you what,
0: um, one of the things I noticed when I was pulling data from Disney was how many movies they released to streaming. Like, I didn't do charts for streaming because this is about the money, and for, for conversational purposes there's no money in streaming so why we don't that's why there's no netflix chart here um even though some of those movies get limited releases at some point i gotta draw a line somewhere so i did major studios with major theatrical releases so if you went day and date like universal did with uh marry me "Firestarter," um <laughs> honk honk for jesus and uh halloween ends that was one thing they at least had theatrical exhibition for disney you'll notice there was no like you know like turning red was strictly disney plus there there was no i I guarantee
1: that i guarantee that lost the money
0: well yeah sure um because that was supposed to be like raya was and like soul and you know and luca those were supposed to be theatrical exhibitions so disney and here's the point disney warner brothers um, they are they are hiding them.
1: pretty they're hiding pretty significant financial losses from public discussion with this with that tactic I imagine. Well,
0: they they fo- here's what I'll tell you, and this is why like I know like one of the big stories of this year was the Batgirl cancellation, and the nerds just fucking flayed themselves. But I kind of see Zaslav's point. We I are spending do. we are spending metric tons of money and burning it by by. You, doing big budget movies and putting them on streaming services, we are just burning piles of money because the theory that exclusive content would draw people in has proven to not be the case. You know, exclusive isn't the thing that draws people in. It's the content. So if you have something people are interested in, by and large, like Netflix does, people will continue to, you know, continue to uh, do their Netflix subscription. However, if you're making like fucking House Party and Batgirl you know, no one gives a shit and you don't get that many people. And so like we reviewed Kimmy earlier in the year or in 2022, yep. that was straight. That was a major motion picture with major motion picture money that went directed straight to by, streaming,
1: directed by a major director,
0: right? That went straight to streaming. Um There was a couple like that last year. Several. That uh, pray. That's the one everyone's citing. Like a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, the big discussion point is how did Prey not get a theatrical release? People would have loved to have seen that in theaters. That went straight to Hulu. Hellraiser, Hellraiser,
1: Hellraiser would have... have Hellraiser could have had a solid theatrical run.
0: Um. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, how hell... there was a lot of movies that if you if you're not getting the subscribe the subscribers and you're not you know you're not getting that steady stream of income and you think about the amount of money that goes into production for these things, they're just burning piles of money. And then you compare that to what they, like you take out Marvel and you take out Avatar and how much money has Disney lost this year, just in theatrical exhibition, then throw on top of that, the money they're not recuperating in streaming movies. Uh,
1: Bear in mind, there's also a lot of, Discussion around how former Disney CEO Bob Chapek was kind of moving numbers around to make Disney Plus look better than it was. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, for crying out loud, I, I can't stress this enough, people. Disney fired their CEO in the middle of the night. Think about that for just a second. Disney, maybe the biggest corporation in the world, certainly one of them. Fired their CEO in the dead of night, cloak and dagger style. What does that say?
0: So you ready for a laugh? So here, Universal, right? All right. Uh, uh, twenty-eight movies. Yeah, it's down one because like the first column is yeah, yeah. The headings. Twenty-eight movies released. Paramount, thirteen. Disney, fourteen. Sorry, Paramount is twelve. Disney, 14, are you ready for the other major motion picture studio, the Legacy Studio, Warner Brothers Pictures of Warner Brothers Discovery? Want to know I'm, how many
1: movies they released this year? I'm about ready to downgrade them from major studio. A hot six. <laughs> <laughs> Only one of which, like, actually made money. Uh, like, I mean, we can argue about some like, Look, Fantastic Beasts, if that made the money after advertising, I'd be shocked. Yeah. Elvis I mean, probably did. My, Elvis me, did okay.
0: My, my, me using easy math, it made money, but we're talking like a profit of $5 million, if I'm even close to right about that.
1: I, um, I'd imagine that lost the money.
0: Yeah. Elvis made money. That's fine. Elvis was that, fine. Yeah. Um, DC League of Super Pets, eh. Um, it was Okay. And then, yeah, don't worry, darling, assuming my, my I, numbers are correct. 17 another, million, but who cares?
1: Like, that's another one I'd bet lost money. And not only mm-hmm. lost money, that's supposed to be your big awards bait. Right. And nobody, and everybody's pissing on yeah. it.
0: So Batman was the big that winner was there. And then, that was Black, them. and then Black Adam, I don't care what The Rock says, fucking lost money. You can't, you can't pull the wool over my eyes. Well, you can, <laughs> but... <laughs> I do fu- Jesus Christ, and t- dude! Even if you don't use the the Times Two column, you just look at their regular budget: two hundred and sixty million for that. Are you fucking kidding me? Who agreed yeah. to this?
1: I have when they no- turned it
0: when they turned in the budget for Black Adam, and someone was like two hundred and sixty million. I'd have been like, "Yo, Black Adam better have fucking Superman in it," then, and it did, and <laughs> not in any way that was meaningful. All right, and in my it, it, to me, the 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 studio of the year to me, goes to the pluckiest. And that studio was A24, baby. Woo-wee! On uh, a 90 million... I mean, this little this little studio that could... Now, you'll notice there's a lot of Xs here. So this meant that I did not have numbers for it. So we were just going by what they had. And everything, everywhere, all at once. Like, the big surprise, on a $28 million budget, this thing made worldwide $104 million. It was easily their most profitable movie. Followed by X and then Pearl. And then everything else, the one loss that they had, that was a day and date deal after Yang that was in theaters and on showtime. And I'm not sure anyone saw it, Um, but that's like, you know, their, their major loss leader there. Um, But yeah, everything everywhere all at once X and Pearl big winners for a 24. And unfortunately we don't have numbers for the rest of it. So I don't know truly what kind of shape they're in, but I have to say like you and I talked about, um, wanting to follow an independent studio for a year and just review every single one of their movies and see if there's any you know content value there. If, you know if, if if just because you're an indie studio and you're doing indie pictures, how how worthwhile really are you? And so as an experiment, we were going to follow like A24 just because they tend to put out some of the more weirder, more interesting pictures out there. I have to give them credit, man. Assuming my numbers are right, and though you know in the numbers where I have X's. Don't throw it off considerably. Ninety million is not bad for a little studio with a not lot really. of limited releases. And how and, and how not, it made more on. money
1: not only that, mm-hmm. very little marketing budget. Like yeah. A lot of the A twenty four stuff that starts generating like it generates word of mouth much more than it does anything they pay for.
0: Now look at the budget on Pearl, like its actual like production budget, one million dollars. <laughs> that's pretty amazing when you think about it. Um There's this day and age, yeah. And how did A24 beat fucking Sony?
1: Because Sony released a boatload of crap. So, Uncharted. Look, hang on. Here's here's what wins for Sony. Here's the only things that win for Sony in any kind of real way Mm -hmm. Uncharted and Bullet Train. Oh, where the Crawdad thing made money? Eh.
0: And was a prestige film.
1: Okay, but again, like, do you count that as a win at the end of the day? Like, like, yes. (laughs) Hang on. No, no, no. I mean this. Like, if you're Sony mm-hmm. and you're trying to go into 2023, are you go? Are you bank? Are you going? We had where the crawdads sing last year.
0: No, because there's nowhere to go from where the crawdads sing, other than maybe get an award or two. Um, you know, like Uncharted, they're trying to launch a franchise. Bullet Train, that's not going to be a sequel or anything. But you know, I'm sure they were happy to have the money. And it's easily that you know it was um, uh, Uncharted made 401 million dollars. Bullet Train made 239. I mean. Dude.
1: Let's be real again. Let's be real about Morbius
0: mm-hmm.
1: lost them money.
0: Oh, yeah. I know, I know my my chart has it 168 over 166, but there's no way Morbius made money. Um, and no way. that's been an embarrassment from the studio, but yeah, somehow or other, like A24 at 90 million, Sony 12. <laughs> like, that's embarrassing. And the, you, you know, we talked about
1: almost, Sony <laughs> almost certainly lost money this year when it was all yeah. said and done.
0: I mean, look at this. Not that I want to belabor this point, but like Lyle Lyle Crocodile, that was supposed to be, you know, a big family picture. Lost the money. The Woman King, that was supposed (laughs) to be a big prestige picture. Lost the money.
1: supposed to save the historical epic.
0: Right. I want to dance with somebody. I haven't looked and see if that's made money yet. It just came out in December around Christmas. But so far, that's losing the money. A man, you know, and we can't call... So the problem was a man called Otto. When I did... I didn't want to not include it, but, you know, a limited release is still limited. So, um, and now... The, the the true hilarity, MGM Amazon. <laughs> so Amazon, it was last year, I think, bought MGM Studios, and they're kind of sorting through their IP now and figuring out what they can spin into television shows, what they can make more movies out of, what you know, what, what can they add to the Amazon Prime streamer um, that, that's going to get people to say, besides, you know, besides what they think Lord of the Rings is supposed to do. Uh, meanwhile, they still have MGM movies that were in the pipeline. So, like, Dog earned them a decent bit of money, but look at these other yeah, ones. 3,000 Years of Longing, Bones and All, T- is a Best Picture Possible nominee, Cyrano yeah. was supposed to be a big-time musical, not a hit-in-the-bunch, nope. not a one. Not a one. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, MG- but, I mean, Amazon now has, like, so much money that look, uh, it I- can absorb this loss.
1: I- Again, like... Because it because of the moving stuff behind the scenes, I think <laughs> we can cut MGM a little bit of a break as far as that goes. Like like you said, they were being bought out. There's still so a lot of moving parts business wise, but still, yeah. that ain't good.
0: No. And then, and then even more. <laughs> and then there was Lionsgate. It's a lot of red. Oh, so much red. Okay. All right. Really, the story with Lionsgate is this, and you and I talked about this in mm-hmm. our chat. <laughs> Moon Roland Emmerich needs to be brought up on charges because he done murdered a studio. Moonfall, even if you don't use my budget, if you use the 146 million budget, that thing made a hundred sixty-seven million. Like the loss this studio took. And here's the thing: like, they released 23 pictures, but so look at like so many of these were day and date PVOD. Like they're two, they, they had three major releases and wide release. That were supposed to get them a halfway decent, ch- you know, chunk of money. Four, actually. Moonfall, Pray for the Devil, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and Fall, and to a lesser extent, Clerks Three. Um, I think Clerks Three might have only been in wide release. Uh, sorry, um, limited release. Fall made the money, but again, it was a three million dollar budget. Uh, if you look at the regular money, and then it, it made twenty one million dollars. So you, you know, like yeah. that—that kind of operated under like the horror principle of shoot your movie for a buck fifty. You know and hope it's, people come
1: yeah it, but, it, again it's a limited location okay. thriller and people liked it right um, but the
0: three they were banking on the three they were like moonfall's going to be our big hit it's what's going to prop up the studio sank the studio like at this point and and here's what we were talking about before lionsgate i don't think has operational capital to fucking function at this point and i think like they're just kind of treading water and keeping the lights on Long enough for some of the regulatory stuff to sort itself out, so that Netflix can sweep in and buy it. And I say Netflix Something. specifically because Netflix, I think, has won the capital to Doesn't? Own, it's not like Disney, which owns half a dozen IPs that it's bought yeah, over
1: I, the last couple of years. Well, it's not just the IPs. I don't think Netflix really owns its own production studio. Like we right. talk about stuff that Netflix either licenses out, but even there, like. Netflix original stuff, some of it is stuff Mm -hmm. they bought from other places, like a lot of the stuff they they buy and they distribute it from Japan or Korea. Right. Uh, But even there, there's other production companies that go into a lot of the other Netflix exclusive stuff. They don't really have their own kind of in-house thing. So they're probably the least likely to run up against. FTC violations or issues if they want to buy Lionsgate.
0: I'm looking at the numbers 200. If, if you're going on the numbers that I use, we're almost a $300 million budget versus a 67 6, $67 million uh, worldwide gross. It's almost a $200 million loss. That is yeah. criminal. <laughs> but I think yeah. Lionsgate would actually be a good purchase for Netflix because they do have embedded in their studio system a streaming. Um, a streaming mechanism. Like a lot of what Lions Gates did this past year was, like I said, stuff that went straight PVOD and had limited theatrical runs, which is why you see a lot of X's there. So that is where the studios. And so just to review, Universal was the big winner this year. Don't
1: let anyone tell you it's fucking Paramount. Um it, paramount. It's, hang on, it's paramount in terms of a couple of things, but in terms of just raw numbers, no, it's, it's you're right. And I and I
0: think it's an interesting thing because again. Universal released the most pictures and it made the most money. And there's a conversation I think to be had about what are we doing as the, as production studios and theatrical exhibitors? Like, I think part of the reason why there was a deficit this year in terms of worldwide gross compared to 2019 was there was a lack of movies released.
1: uh, That's certainly part
0: of it. And like if you take away even just the stuff that went straight to streaming, but it was that was by design. Like when they're mapping out what movies are going to like it wasn't a situation like in 2021 where it was like, oh, well people aren't really going back to the theater just now, so this thing that was meant for theaters will end up going, you know, straight to straight to streaming. Like there was stuff especially in HBO Max and, and Disney that was by design supposed to be a streaming movie. Just a, a stupid one, but uh, case in point, Ice Age, The Adventures of Buck Naked. Um but not like, only that was the thing, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, my son I, I and I reviewed my, my son and I reviewed that. That I'm was sure a,
1: he had a blast. He, it was fantastic.
0: Um actually it's one of our more popular reviews of 2022, by the way. Oh. 2020 was not a great year for the movie review business either, <laughs> for the record. So yeah, so me and my son, um so Ice Age, the Adventures of Buck Wild, uh that was clearly designed specifically for Disney Plus, as opposed to turning red, which they diverted to Disney Plus. It's yeah, different. Um, my point being that, and here, here's really what I want to drive home. Universal aside, Universal still gets it. Universal knows that it's a movie, that it's a movie studio in the business of creating content for theatrical exhibition. They are not a slave to Peacock, not a real service.
1: It, yeah, it, is, it helps. The Peacock is it not, not a real service.
0: <laughs> yeah, Disney,
1: Paramount
0: to a lesser extent, um, Warner Brothers up until Zazz, until the Discovery uh, merger were kind of all slaves to their streaming services, and they were do, they were spending money hand over fist like Eric Bischoff, you know, like a drunken sailor, in creating and taking money that they're never going to recoup, and creating straight to streaming content um and that hurt theatrical exhibition a that, lot that clearly hurt theatrical exhibition imagine any one of these studios releases 10 more pictures and at least half of them are profitable and not moonfall i i don't i don't know if the picture is quite as clear as it is with universal in the lead oh and by the way if paramount doesn't have top gun maverick it's not even close to the top earner for uh for for studios like that was a, that was one picture, and to a lesser extent, Sonic. That's what propped that studio up.
1: Yeah, Sonic helped, but Paramount was like, Paramount's still like selling off their stock to Tom Cruise at this point. in <laughs> Gratitude for what he's done for them. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about in terms of the year in review?
1: Yeah, I got a thing.
0: Are you ever coming yeah. back on the camera again?
1: Yeah, sorry. That was a thing at the door that I didn't want on the porch.
0: <laughs> buying drugs?
1: No. <laughs> buying, a, buying a robot sex doll? No. Okay. Why do you accuse me of buying things you know I don't use? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. you end up with those people that live in the house. Fair, but still. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Something that you brought up, like when we started talking about just how bad this year was. Mm hmm. Because it was bad. Something a year that I think if we adjust for inflation, it's actually like you got to go back further than two thousand. Yeah, one of didn't they say like? Oh yeah, well
0: this is the this is absolutely the not counting twenty twenty and twenty twenty one. This is the worst year in theatrical exhibition in terms of worldwide gross in twenty years,
1: give or take. Yeah. Yeah. So. You mentioned something that I thought was interesting because I've been saying, and a lot of people have been saying this, some people just for the sake of clicks, me, because I'm me. But the MCU can't afford another year like this. No. Um, when it comes to their slate of releases for 2023, they can't putter about like they did for the last two years. Um, Quantumania needs to be a big success, and mm-hmm. I don't mean like a I don't mean like a Thor Love and Thunder. We pretend that seven hundred million was enough success. They well, can't afford let's, that. Let's
0: break this down, but let let's not break this down like like you know film nerds. Let's let's break this down like film finance nerds. Um, okay. Well, if well, okay look... Hang on.
1: If we want to do that, let's start with Black Panther two.
0: Well, hang on. There's a reason why you you mentioned Ant Man. And the first thing I thought of was never mind how good or bad the show was. I wanna say Loki was still Loki was watched in a period where people were still paying attention to Marvel shows. Yes. By the time we got to She-Hulk, that number depletes a lot. But
1: in in year one, in at in... the time yeah, at the time Loki came out. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, that Loki was the turning point for a lot of people, believe it or not. Because before that you had WandaVision, which a lot of people watched and liked sure then you had falcon and the winter soldier which
0: i would say that that was more
1: hang on that was more 50 50 but it that was kind of par for the course for the mcu right Mm -hmm. like not everything they do is a big hit never has been. so you get wandavision and people like it it's different people are talking about it then you followed up with You know Sam and Bucky's misadventures, and eh, people—we all kind of give it a collective "eh." Right. Then, because Loki was a more interesting character to a lot of people than either Sam or Bucky, whether you whether you think that's fair or not is immaterial. That's reality. People cared more about Loki than about either of those two, right? Right. And then we get Loki. And Loki's the point when a lot of people start tuning out. A lot of people don't like multiverse stuff to begin with. So that's part of it. Here's the other problem. They also... The decision to make your ostensibly lead character a joke became more apparent in Loki. Yeah. That's when a lot of people started kind of tuning out. And then, again, like you mentioned... What did we follow up Loki with? Here's Hawkeye. That's not actually about Hawkeye, and the character assassination of uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's kingpin. Okay, stop, can we follow that just,
0: up? And you just stop there for a second, all right? Because I want to, because we can sit here and sort of track the death of Phase Four all you want, but you <laughs> but you talked about Ant Man and the Wasp, and there's some very yeah. specific things to consider. One, and I want to make this point very clear: there are still dedicated, zealous. Mm -hmm. zealous Marvel fans. There are. There are people who will swear by this stuff. It is their religion. And when you mock it, you mock them. And when you mock them, they set your house on fire. These people know what's coming. These people paid attention when they made the announcement of what phase five and phase six were going to be. So you know what they know? That the next Avengers movie is called the Kang Dynasty. Those people, by and large, liked Loki. Those people, by and large, saw a version, a dumb version, but a version of Kang in Loki. Those people are all going to see Ant-Man and the Wasp because regardless of what they thought of Black Panther, and regardless of what they thought of For Love and Thunder, and regardless of how much everyone was disappointed by Doctor Strange, they're all excited for Avengers, the, the Kang Dynasty. They want to see Kang. Kang's an Ant-Man ergo. They're all going to see Ant-Man and here's- they're gonna, and here's the thing. This is what creates a happening, and people are going to be like, "Oh, the Marvel nerds are all excited about this. We should go check it out too." It is the only reason why I think there's a at least a slightly better than average chance Ant Man hits a home run, not on the strength of Ant Man, which I think is your argument is that your lead is no no one no one no one's going to see Ant Man for Ant Man. They're going for Kang. No one is going to see that movie for any other reason other than they'll go see anything Marvel, those people, and they're even less than the first group I mentioned, but this group that's kind of, you know, that's into it, that's annoyed about some of the other things that have happened in the past two years, they're excited for Kang.
1: Here's my problem with this. Okay. That's not sustainable.
0: That's fine, but we're only talking about this one
1: movie. I'm not. Okay. I'm talking about, and I'm going to dovetail this into the rest of cinema at large, but Okay. here's what i mean by when i say i'm not marvel has somewhat lost the ability to generate momentum right
0: mm-hmm.
1: like you and i talked a lot about this like what do we get coming out of phase four that anyone cares about nothing the answer is nothing and for the record more people would disappoint i, I think much as we all kind of like gripe about dr strange I think Thor Love and Thunder burned a lot more people than we realize. So anecdotally, and
0: that's really all all the only way I can speak of it. I've had people who now that it's on Disney Plus, I've seen it. And even people who are like, not like they're the most casual of casual fans. Like they watch the Marvel stuff. They like the Marvel stuff. They're aware of it. But some of these people don't know who's a Marvel and who's a DC. Yeah. So like, I'll have people come up to me and be like, hey, I watched that movie with that Thor guy. Okay. Which one? Love and Thunder. Okay. What'd you think of it? wow was that movie dumb like even people who are not like psycho obsessed with comic authenticity and you know and all of that people who are not followers of this stuff that are just like they put a movie on to kill two hours and then they go to bed even those people thought thor love and thunder sucked
1: yeah so just for the record i think that movie burned a lot more people than we realized and because you and I are kind of burned on the whole stupid experiment already, I don't think again. I don't think we realized it. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: a lot of people were very unhappy with that movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, again, there's no momentum. And like you said, like, what's the draw for Ant-Man people? Yay, I want to see Kang, who's going to be on screen for two minutes. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Do you want to know what happens in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? I can tell you with a reasonable degree of accuracy. So here's your spoiler alert. I'm going to do it. They get sucked into the quantum realm, where Kang is kind of lo- is at odds with Bill Murray. Bill Murray being the nominal ruler of this sub-realm, the quantum realm. Kang's big su- Kang subordinate is going to be Corey Stoll, um, Yellowjacket, who got sucked into the quantum realm at the end of the first Ant-Man movie. Kang wants to get out of the quantum realm and conquer the world because he's Kang. He wants Ant-Man's help because Ant-Man and ant being a boob, but you know the <laughs> women around him who are competent which is how this is going to be written, by the way. He'll want their help. Um, It'll wind up being the technology and the escape mechanism will be stolen by um, Corey Stoll, who's, oh, who's um, MODOK, right? Because of the transformation process. He's now MODOK instead of Yellowjacket. He'll escape. Kang will be left in the Quantum Realm, and we won't see him again for another 18 months, if not two years. I forget exactly when phase five is kind of set. So we're not getting a whole lot here. Uh, If you're going to see this because you're excited about Kang, you're going to get almost nothing. You're going to be very disappointed by this. Yeah. So you still need some degree of excitement for what you're paying to see. And I think that's being lost. And what else does Marvel have coming out this year? It's um, Guardians. Batman,
0: Guardians, and uh, the Marvels.
1: uh, Guardians will be fine. Marvels is not going to be fine. Like, Look, you, you can call you can accuse me of being overly negative if you feel so inclined.
0: No, I, I don't disagree with you. I don't
1: no, 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 that, know. That's not just for you. Like that's in general. Like you can poo-poo me if you want. Here's, you, one of, here's
0: just those things where it's like, other than like <laughs> girls, women that don't make up enough of the audience to matter. You know, I, I don't like to be the conspiracy theorist guy, but Gavin, um, friend of the show, former Casual Hero was like seeing stories on Reddit for the first one that made over a billion dollars and now the pro side of this argument is hey it came out of the tail end of when Marvel was the most popular everything was making a billion dollars it was the most popular thing in the world so people don't lend a lot of credence to the opposing argument which was uh, Captain Marvel's uh, billion dollar worldwide take was way inflated because Disney bought the tickets
1: also true (laughs) (laughs) look look, not not to the not to the degree that some of the like deliberate naysayers want like they would like mm -hmm. for that to be just a total load of crap it wasn't a total load of crap people were interested to one degree or another they're not now sorry
0: (laughs) and yeah nope and here's the thing even if you can tolerate or genuinely like brie larson Nobody cares why. about Monica Rambeau. Nobody cares about whatever stupid Marvel character Dude, Captain Marvel I, there was in WandaVision.
1: I mean this. Most people don't know who Monica Rambeau is. Right. Like, they saw the little girl in the first one. Yeah. Almost nobody saw her show up in WandaVision. Like, like well, WandaVision, for as much as it was kind of able to generate online chatter, I don't think it made the big kind of imprint that it you might need it to, to have her be like a big supporting character. And nobody who wasn't already a teenage girl saw freaking Ms. Marvel. Right. Nobody.
0: Yeah. I, I think that one's going to be a disaster. Um, because I, I don't think between now and July, you're going to recreate enough of the buzz, enough of the happening to create interest in an audience that's already disaffected with the theater going I mean, experience. And that's, that was a big conversation point. Like well, right to- out loud.
1: Like captain marvel people forget this right mm-hmm. came out between infinity war and Endgame.
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: anything would have succeeded there
0: so i was listening to an episode of the town today it's a podcast that i like and it yeah. deals with um entertainment in different ways and one of the things that was said was how and we've talked about this a bunch i don't want to belabor the point but you know the two years that either there weren't movies available and you know and you couldn't or you couldn't leave your house or both um people got trained to stay at home and watch movies in the service of creating content for streaming we talked we've talked about this they lowered the window from 120 days to 45 days and there's a third thing and it very rarely gets talked about but no one's making movies for the most part for you know for every top gun maverick there's still a hundred movies People can wait to see.
1: Yep,
0: and I will tell you that even a movie like Jurassic World Dominion, nothing. there were people, there were people who loved Jurassic World. There were people who loved Jurassic Park, who were like, "I'll wait for it to come on Peacock. It'll be fine." Like yeah, we're not creating. Nothing.
1: I've talked about this before.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: we have lost the the current era of filmmakers, mm-hmm. with very few exceptions have lost the art of making a movie that needs to be seen in a theater
0: dude i think i told you when we reviewed dune last year me like banging uh, yeah, you no, know, pots and pans that, together like to, that movie to get, needed to be was, seen yeah because everyone was like because it was that that was still during the day and date yeah. thing where everything went day and date in 2021 for hbo max And everyone was like, I'm going to watch Dune and home. And I'm like, are you crazy?
1: Go see that movie on a big screen. What was even
0: hilarious about that was people going, oh, okay, I'll see it. And I'm like, no, go see it in IMAX. Like, that's a movie that demands an IMAX screen. They're like, oh, that's a lot of money. I don't want to do that. But my point is that it really takes a, a lot of convincing of people to leave their house to go to the theater unless they just feel like going to the movies. And then it's not really about what's in the theaters. It's about the day they decided to go. Yeah. This is no longer, the theater experience is really individually suited now. It's not like a cultural event the way it used to be.
1: Yeah, that's, so to the point that was being raised, like, you know, we mentioned go the ahead,
0: MCU. Go ahead, keep going. I got to jump off camera for a second. All
1: right. The MCU can't afford another couple of years like they've had. And it it doesn't help that they're big selling points for some of their stuff. This, I promise it's not an MCU bashing moment, but it doesn't help that a lot of their big selling point is we promise we've got stuff lined up for the future. I mean, the entire premise of the Thunderbolts is going to be, Hey, Adamantium. eh? We're, we're teasing you about the X-Men coming in. eh, Yeah. Um, so like, there's a lot of that going on. Like, phase, phase four was kind of a disaster. Phase five is not going to be all that much better. Um, uh, they're, they're really having to be forward-looking and try to pretend that, you know, they can weather another storm. Because they, they, I don't think they can weather another couple of years like this. But more importantly, I don't know that they're, the movie going in general can weather another year like this. Um, studios have lost a lot of the faith that people used to have in them. For any number of reasons. But... People, people are just not willing to give you their time and their money anymore the way they used to. Uh, and I think that's really the big problem that a lot of Hollywood, I'm again, we went over a bunch of different studios there, pick any one of them. That's what they're going to have to reconcile. You need to get people to trust you with their time and their money again. And a lot of bridges have been burned man a lot of bridges and, and some almost some irreparably like you can't find a star wars fan who's enthusiastic about the product you, you can't do it the mcu is again like i'm not going to say i'm not going to be one of those people saying it's dead or it's dying that's a significant overstatement it's not healthy you can't claim that it's healthy right now Whatever else you want to say about it, it's not healthy. Um, you, have, you have lost the fans. You have lost the people, studios. They don't trust you anymore. They don't trust you with things they care about. They don't trust you with their time, and they don't trust you with their money. And you have to fix that. And I don't know that the, the movie business needs there to be a lot of successes in 2023. And I don't know that they're going to get it. I mean, Mark, very briefly, because again, we've been at this for a while. We don't need to belabor this too much, like you said. But let's go very briefly over like the biggest releases of 2023.
0: Uh, I read your mind. I'm actually bringing up the list of American films 2023. I'm going to put it on screen. Give me a second. All right. And let's, I mean, we can go a little granular with this. We don't necessarily have to just hit the big ones. I mean, we don't have to hit like the really small ones. But so um, in the month of January, we have Megan. That's a major studio release horror movie. Uh, Universal Blum Blumhouse
1: probably we've, be all right. Yeah,
0: we've got we talked about already house party and plane from Warner Brothers and Lionsgate respectively. We've got missing. Um... We're, we're
1: all, hey, look, we're all pulling for plane. That's kind of what we're doing here.
0: <laughs> we've got um, plane. Sorry, Missing. From Screen Gems. <clears throat> the Sun from Sony. When You Finish Saving the World from A24. We've got uh, Distant from Universal again. And then um, that's about it for the month of January. We have the M. Night Shyamalan movie on February 3rd, Knock at the Cabin with Dave Batista, And then we have A.D. At... for Brady yeah. from Paramount.
1: Man, Which... I'm betting A.D. for Brady struggles. Like, i'm not saying no one sees it i'm saying it mm-hmm. struggles <laughs> yeah i i
0: believe the opposite i think that i think let me look at let's see what
1: the budget is for this if they have it listed yeah, it's not listed
0: yet um but i think because, if it's got a small enough budget and it attracts okay. people like my, so like women and my parents is the audience for this thing as near as i can tell
1: if the, um okay i'll agree with you if the budget is reasonable
0: yeah well, how much could they have fucking shot? You know, shot eighty for Brady for well, that's got to be
1: like five to ten million though. Like, if I'm Tom Brady, I demand five to ten million. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he
0: did it on spec. Um, February tenth, Magic Mike's Last Dance. I finally saw the trailer no for that. Uh, God. No
1: one cares. No one cares. I'm not saying no one will see it, but no one
0: cares. Mm-hmm. Um, skipping a fathom event of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. All right, yeah, so our first major idea. release of 2023 is Ant Man. Um, that is the only thing coming out that week so far. The following week, we have um, cocaine. I Bear. fully
1: expect Cocaine Bear to unseat Ant Man and the Wasp. Like we need to make <laughs> that thing. I, I, I need. I will co- see it
0: three times in the theaters.
1: I need the Cocaine Bear franchise to spin off of this, man. We need this. We <laughs> all co- need this.
0: The Cocaine Bear cinematic universe.
1: Yeah, like the, the drugs and animal cinematic universe. Yeah,
0: absolutely, I'm all for it. Uh, Creed 3 uh,
1: probably be alright ultimately yeah. but
0: Scream 6 from Paramount that,
1: mm, that's a rough one actually like I'm not again I'm not saying it's going to bomb mm-hmm. but
0: I, I think know. they rushed that one into production yeah. way too soon after they're like oh my god this is successful strike while the iron's hot and it's like do you not get that people will tolerate one of these they're not coming back for a second
1: If you don't have a good idea for Scream 6, like 5 did all right, Mm -hmm. but it didn't, like, eh, and then Shazam, which is just a dumpster fire.
0: Yeah, uh, 65 is the uh, science fiction movie from Sony and Columbia Pictures. Stars Adam Um,
1: Driver, it's a giant wank. Yeah,
0: March twenty fourth, we have so John, John Wick. Wick Los- we
1: finally get something that people might care about
0: <laughs> from Lionsgate. You know, one of the few things holding that studio up for next year.
1: John Wick is kind of propping that place up right. on its own at the moment. No one right. cares about um, right. Dungeons All and right. Dragons. That's maybe... getting a lot of
0: that's getting a lot of buzz that from the the gamer poly nerd community. I think that that is the smallest to... possible community. <laughs> remember, like, no, sure. here is what I am going to tell you. I think that's going to be a sleeper hit. Um, I think if if it
1: doesn't suck out loud. I think that one, that one's hoping to have legs. Like that's not going to have the greatest weekend. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If
0: it's, if leaving aside your personal hatred of the movie, just using it as sort of like a model. If Dungeons and Dragons gets, for lack of a better phrase, like Ragnarok heat, I think it does really well. And it ends up being high in the top 10 for the year.
1: Here's the pro here's the problem for Dungeons and Dragons.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Look what comes out next week.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's gonna be easily top five. We have the Super Mario, but f- by the way, just really quick Universal. One. <laughs> two. Three.
1: They are throwing four. everything at the wall and seeing what <laughs> sticks.
0: Five. Five five by the time five movies in not even four months are being released by universal and then the, and the week after like dude universal don't care man Universal's is like we're releasing all the movies every like we spray and pray as they say
1: um, um that is their philosophy at the moment because again the week it makes, after it totally makes me want to cheer for them like i i'm not rooting for universal <laughs> <laughs> so again honor among thieves is really hoping for like a good slow burn like yeah. they're not gonna, they're not gonna be big at any point in time. and yeah, they're not
0: winning back to back weekends. Not with Super Mario coming out.
1: They might not even win their own weekend. No, again, might not. I'm not. Hang on, might not. I'm not sure. I'm not sold on that. After we'll have to wait and see the landscape by the time we get there. John Wick would have to repeat for that to happen because it's not. Put,
0: dude, hang it's on, competition or, that
1: week is Variance Film Focus Feature and Saban. No, hang on. Or we've been wrong about Shazam before, man. Just throwing that out there. like So, again, might not. I'm not saying it won't. I'm saying it might not. It's hoping to kind of have a burn for a lot of weeks. Then you got the Super Mario Brothers movie, our our backdoor pilot for the Smash Brothers universe. Right.
0: And then we have Renfield yet again by Universal. uh,
1: And for the record, like Super Mario Brothers, that's a big hit. Yeah, sure. Like, everything about that indicates it's a big hit. Right.
0: And Warner Brothers limp into the fence with fucking Evil Dead Rise. That was supposed to go to HBO Max and got delayed to the following year and released in theaters. Like, I am,
1: else. I'm very excited for that movie. I hope it does well.
0: Um, that'll be, I think, maybe... No, it's the third. Because ma- Magic... Shit. House Party. Uh, Yeah, it's like... They're for... Yeah, okay. Warner Brothers coming back strong. Four movies <laughs> by the time we get to April. Hot dog. Um, All right. Then we have the George Foreman biopic. Heart of a lion. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret from from Lionsgate.
1: Nah.
0: And then May fifth is Guardians.
1: Guardians.
0: Skip May twelfth. Then we I... have. Okay, so May at the moment is looking like a dogfight, and. I mean, Guardians is strong. Fast X will be strong in the little. Look, my... Say what here... you want about the Little Mermaid, and people can get all bent out of shape about Black Little Mermaid all they want. I think that's gonna that's gonna do well.
1: I here's my thing about the Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. It's not going to bomb the way a certain segment of the population wants it to. Right. It's not going to succeed the way the other segment wants it. To. Yeah.
0: It's not going to be Beauty and the Beast or the Lion King, but it's not going
1: to be Anywhere fucking, close. you know, Pete's Dragon either. Uh, yeah, this is not going to be Pete's. Here's my thing about Fast X. Mm-hmm. I don't know that anyone cares anymore.
0: We'll see. I mean, I'm, that's, again. Like, that's one My, where that's one that, that that gets a lot of strength on its foreign box office because
1: more, yeah, that's true. So it, yeah. as long as it gets its its China releases and everything, it'll yeah. be it'll probably be okay. Oh. But that's a franchise that has lost a tremendous amount of steam over the last. couple
0: Well, of years. you know, Hollywood. It's not that hard. Don't put gays and ghosts in your movies. The two G's, and you'll get a release in China, um, um,
1: among other things.
0: it's Spider Man across the Spider Verse. That'll be fine. fine. Transformers. I think will be fine. That,
1: mm. I don't know, man. Like I know people who are excited for it, mm-hmm. but that's still a badly damaged brand.
0: <laughs> Speaking of which, then we have the Flash.
1: Apparently, someone fucking
0: the- explained to me why they moved the Flash back a week because it was it was up it was the twenty third. It was against no hard feelings from from Sony, and then an untitled fucking Adele film from Lionsgate, which okay, so it had no competition in the second week, and instead it's counter programming. The new Pixar.
1: Who Why? why? Pixar's not what it used to be.
0: I guess, but I mean you had a free week. I guess maybe they okay. I guess maybe they wanted to give it because I guess Indiana Jones wasn't moving and they didn't want to compete with that directly.
1: Okay, no, no, no. Here you want my conspiracy theory about this? What's your conspiracy theory. Rumor is broken today that DC is looking to retain Ezra Miller as the flash. Are you shitting me? Why? I am not. If it under if that movie underperforms at the box office, they might like that can force people's hands. Grant Gustin's right
0: there, man. (laughs) The last season's wrapping up. All right, uh, Indiana Indiana Jones is the 30th. That thing's gonna. I I don't think there's anything left in the tank for Indiana Jones. Like I think they, I think without like rebooting it or like building on some of the previous stuff, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any interest in the IP
1: anymore. No, hang on. You could get interest in the IP. People love Mm -hmm. Indy. Indiana, Mm -hmm. the original trilogy is a multi-generational thing. Yeah, I'd
0: say as it exists now, after what the fourth one did to it.
1: That hurt. Here's the real problem with Indy 5. Not Mm -hmm. just the ballooning, not just the inflated budget. uh, And the multiple reshoots. And the multiple endings. All of which has basically been confirmed, by the way. I'm not just spitballing.
0: Here. I love it. Indiana Jones and the choose-your-own-adventure-adventure.
1: Adventure. You're not joking. They are <laughs> scrapbooking that thing. Yeah. All of that... Okay. You can. We can talk for a little bit about how Disney's stock has taken a hit, right? Not just literal stock, but like Disney. Mm-hmm. People have lost a lot of faith in them. They're not the juggernaut they used to be, right? We appropriately subdivide Disney into its disparate parts. What has suffered the most? You could argue their animation. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't disagree with you too much. I don't think anything over the last like five years in the Disney umbrella has been as damaged as Lucasfilm.
0: Oh, yeah. Look, Strange World and Lightyear aside. They can always do another Encanto, not Encanto specifically, but they can do, always do yeah, another you know. musical with you know with a pretty female character, princess, whatever, and they're back in business again. You know, it, one pic- <clears throat> one Pixar movie that actually resonates with people that produces a lot of merchandise, and Pixar is fine. Lucasfilm, however, is fucking battered and crippled.
1: Well, l- let me tell you about Star Wars fans. <clears throat> at the moment. They don't exist. Oh, Chris Bailey's going to be mad at you. I don't care. (laughs) Like, there aren't Star Wars fans anymore. You killed it. (laughs) Congratulations, you murdered it. That's a (laughs) dead, hang on. That's a dead IP right now. Yeah. And that same group of people, I know slightly different creatives, but the same production team, is in charge of Indy 5. Now, it's entirely possible that some of the people who are alleging various leaks about Indy 5 are just malcontents. I'll acknowledge the possibility of just large-scale trolling. Mm -hmm. Here's your real problem, Lucasfilm and Disney by extension. There's so little faith in you, people will believe the anonymous (laughs) trolls before they believe anything any of you say. That's your problem.
0: Speaks to the psychology of the culture, though, doesn't it? All no, right, no, hey. no,
1: no, no. Well, partially yes. More so, it speaks to the track record of all the pe- of all parties.
0: All right, we have an insidious sequel. Then we have Mission Man. Impossible in July. That,
1: dude, Paramount. <laughs> Again, they are just backing up trucks of money to Tom Cruise <laughs> at this point.
0: Yeah, Tom Cruise is going to end up owning that studio before he dies. And then here's here's the really the showdown that we've been waiting for.
1: This is not a showdown. This should be a blowout. This...
0: this should be this is Christopher Nolan versus Barbie in a match that will rival John Cena versus Logan Paul at WrestleMania. Oh piss off. <laughs> so yeah, we have Oppenheimer, which I was telling my wife about this. That like Universal gave away the store. When when him and Warner Brothers broke up, <clears throat> Universal gave away the store in the bidding, like there was a whole bidding war of studios for yep. Chris Nolan, and they were like, you can have the biggest window we won't release, a, we won't release a picture six weeks before, six weeks prior. Um, they gave him like truckloads of money, they gave him like car blanche to do whatever the fuck you like. What balls on Chris Nolan? Like, he's probably the one director I, I respect the most. I might not like all of his films, but like, he, you know, here here's everything you asked for and more. Come make a movie for us, okay? Well, what do you want to, now that we are here, now that we have you? What dark night-esque crowd please are you going to give us? I'd like to tell the story of the atomic bomb. Bonk, (laughs) you Um, motherfucker!
1: (laughs) Hang on, like Nolan is one of the only directors who actually has name value anymore. Right, people are interested in Christopher Nolan's product because Christopher Nolan directs it. Yes,
0: Christopher Nolan could 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 shoot could release, you know, uh, football in the groin, and people would come see it.
1: He's also the. I mentioned, like, he's one of the only directors who makes mm-hmm. movies for the theater. Yes, like, he does not give a crap that you're going to try and watch this on your phone. That's yeah. a you problem.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he he's creating theatrical events. Whether or not people are paying attention to it is another discussion. And then and, we have the marvels. Okay,
1: so <clears throat> hang on. So when Barbie struggles, <clears throat> like, if that struggles, that's got to be it for Margot Robbie as a headliner, right? Like,
0: yeah, no, we We talked about Josh. that with Babylon. She's done. No, no, no. If,
1: if, Like,
0: if Barbie oh, tanks, oh, okay. no, no, if Barbie tanks, she's doing She Said for the rest of her life. One can hope. She's doing $5 million prestige pictures, and that's it. She's, all those, like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean and Marvel movies, whatever the fuck she else she's, you know, slated for. Yeah, none, that's all done. She's in, She's in Focus Features and Searchlights for the rest of her life. Um, Marvels,
1: which is not going to do well.
0: Yeah, we have an animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and then we have a sequel to the Meg that nobody asked for. Um, from nobody, at,
1: I mean, nobody asked for it. But if you're the if you're Warner Brothers, like, and you're you're in their desperate straits two years ago, mm-hmm. right? You look at the fact that the Meg was profitable <laughs> and go, if everyone's at, if everyone wants to come back, there's more books that we can adapt. To. There's more to this story. We can make another one.
0: All right, and what is the weirdest weekend of the year? We Not have there. <laughs> we have three legit fucking like movies that could have been released at any other time, and they're all counter-programming each other. We have Haunted Mansion, which was delayed again from earlier in the year till August, The Last Voyage of the, of the Demeter, and then Gran Turismo, which is based on a video game starring the Neil Blomkamp movie starring David Harbor. Why? <laughs> like, No one's gonna like. That's a weird one. Where they're in a Mexican standoff, and come, in Sony's like, "Come on, motherfuckers!" And Universal's like, "Whatever. We have, we have, we have a tank battalion. We just, we'll just release movies every single week." Because fuck you, that's why. And then I don't know what Disney is thinking
1: here. Disney is just thinking here, release.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And there's Blue Beetle. (laughs) And then there's no, no one's gonna go see. Um. All right. And then we're into fucktember or sucktember, as it were. The Equalizer, um, The Nun 2, The Haunting in Venice.
1: I don't know why we're trying to t- we're trying another Equalizer movie. I really yeah. don't.
0: The Expendables 4. That
1: um, Ooh. I don't know about that one. Mm.
0: And then we're into October. We've got Craven the Hunter, which got delayed from, I think, January or February.
1: Oh, that's going to fail miserably.
0: We have a new Exorcist movie. And we have a new Saw movie. And then we're into November. We've got the second part of Dune. We've got a new Hunger Games, I think, prequel another Eh. trolls movie Eh. and then we have the thanksgiving uh disney feature wish Eh. and then december is wonka the color purple what a terrible
1: what a terrible (laughs) idea hey warner brothers i know what we'll do we'll make a prequel (laughs) to Willy wonka to charlie and the chocolate factory
0: why are they doing two why is warner brothers doing two pick three why is warner brothers like like backloading december because they're idiots That's really bizarre. And then Universal's got their Illumination picture, Migration. So, yeah. I'm legitimately only excited for Cocaine Bear.
1: I'm... I'll, I'll happily see Cocaine Bear and hope <laughs> for a spinoff. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested in Oppenheimer because mm-hmm. I'm me and I like Christopher Nolan's work.
0: Oh, I'm sure Oppenheimer will be great, but... I- There's no, no, uh,
1: no. no, I bring that up because I'm excited to see it. Like, okay, no,
0: no, I get that. Like, I'm not 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 unexcited, I'm just not as excited as Cocaine Bear. That's fair. Okay, I let me get let me say this I (laughs) am excited to see a new Chris Nolan film. I'd like to see what he does. Uh, You know, he makes the screen, he makes the screen beautiful. I'm excited for Cocaine Bear, (laughs) like, I it's all I care about. (laughs) All right, you ready to uh, do the last bit of this?
1: uh yeah i think we're about ready to wrap that up but yeah so 2023 you people out there listening leave us a comment or harass mark on twitter if you're if the platform you're listening on does not allow comments what are you looking forward to in 2023 what are you looking forward to in the movies if Cocaine anything bear. please if you are not <laughs> i mean this to everyone out there like you all let me down pretty hard last year I I made a very simple request of each and every one of you. Very simple. I wanted Sonic 2 to make more money than the secrets of Dumbledore. That was it. The only thing I asked of you people all year. And you couldn't do it. Yeah, it was a couple of million shy. And, yeah, for for no good reason. No good reason at all.
0: So, you know, Wanda wanted to live in the universe where she could be a mom to her kids again. There's a lot of things that have happened in the last year. There's a lot of things that have happened today that make me want to live in a different universe. But I think I've decided what universe that is. And it's not a universe where polyamory doesn't exist. It's not a universe where uh, people are loyal and you know honor their commitments to you. It's the world where Cocaine Bear is the number one movie worldwide in the year of our Lord 2023. I want Cocaine Bear to be the... To- cocaine Bear. I want Cocaine Bear to be the Top
1: Gun Maverick of 2023. You ask too much of the people, Mark. <laughs> Again, if the people can't take Sonic 2, a legitimately good movie, not perfect, mm-hmm. but good movie, above The Secrets of Dumbledore, which was a dumpster fire, <laughs> there is
0: no I hope. Think, somebody was asking recently, like, what are they doing with the Harry Potter? Am I trying to revive life into it if the Dumbledore fucking killed it?
1: Yeah, they're, I don't know what they're doing. Um, <laughs> they're going to have to come up with something.
0: I think mean, we we talked about like there was rumors they were act- actively rebooting the Harry Potter franchise, but doesn't matter. All right, here we go. The critical review. Are you ready? Yeah. No, I said, are you ready? No God! No God! Please
1: no! 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 No!
0: All right. So, I mean, the story is very clear here. Everyone loved this movie. <laughs> no, no shock. Yep. Critics' consensus, both timely and timeless, All Quiet on the Western Front retains the power of its classic source material by focusing on the futility of war. The audience has an outstanding update to an all-time classic. All Quiet on the Western Front puts you right there on the battlefield and reminds you once again that war is truly hell. Can't disagree with either of those, and thankfully they were both rather intelligently written, especially for this fucking website. <laughs> All right. Let's see if there's
1: there we go. A few here. splats
0: here. Ruben Peralta, Brigade of Co- yeah. Coca-Cola. Co-co-le- In the end, one is so depressed by the show that one lacks the strength to leave the cinema or the sofa.
1: That's good right. Okay, you, you have, have mistaken you have mistaken a feature for a bug, sir. <laughs> like it's intentional.
0: Peter Kiao of Art Fuse. It jazzes up the production values, adds horror movie flourishes on the soundtrack, heightens the gore, ratchets up the pat ironies, and interjects scenes of quasi-historical context.
1: I'm not sure how useful a blurb that was to pull yeah. out.
0: Owen Gabby of Pittsburgh City Paper. An exercise in the miserable. It's a fucking war movie. A World War I story told from the perspective of the Imperial German Army. The film gives... It's told from the perspective of the one soldier, Asshole. The film gives sympathy to those just uh, following orders, bludgeons us with the hell of war, and that's about it. Oof. Okay. This was way you, too much movie for you there, Kevin Carr. I mean, Owen Gabby.
1: You are not, yeah, you are not qualified to think this hard about things that actually matter. Sir, again, part of the point is the is the hell of war. Second, I don't know who <laughs> needs to inform you that the Imperial German Army of the First World War was not the Nazis. But apparently you missed basic history.
0: (laughs) Owen Gleiberman of Variety, top critic.
1: That vaunted waste of toilet paper.
0: Berger, as a filmmaker, wants to bring us close to war, but the horror and all quiet on the Western Front is in your face and also rather tidy in its presentation. Maybe that's why it feels
1: numbing. It Makes it an accurate representation, like... It's meant to not nu- You do go numb to it. That's kind of the point. How is how is this movie
0: too much movie for Variety, a periodical that covers the entertainment industry?
1: Because Variety sucks. I can't, yeah,
0: Fred Barrett of In Review Online. <clears throat> all Quiet seems single-mindedly committed to depicting war atrocities, but this go clashes heavily with its glossy prestige sheen.
1: See, no. I didn't
0: see it as prestige or you know or shiny.
1: It, it, no, there's no sheen to this. Second yeah. of all. No, no, okay, he he wrote that appropriately, so we'll leave that alone.
0: All right, Eric Childress of Movie Madness Podcast, a film with some undeniably powerful moments and somehow gets overshadowed by less involving narrative and shots inspired by other war films that distract more than
1: mesmerize. I don't know to what you're referring about the rest of that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: John Anderson of the Wall Street Journal, former newspaper, top critic. Fully understanding the war, who does? may not be necessary in appreciating the disturbing, moving, and sometimes too beautiful production. But that production certainly puts a teutonic tweak on history, sometimes to outrageous effect.
1: You're griping about historical accuracy? Like, why are you doing my bit? <laughs> Second of all, like, the majority of this is, again, it's mostly accurate, especially about the things that matter.
0: Glenn Kenny of RogerEbert.com, top critic. All Quiet on the Western Front is state of the art in showing your shoving your nose in realistic seeming carnage and possibly inducing hearing damage and laying on the ear splitting oral experience of a firefight.
1: Again, this is deliberate. It's trying to replicate what that felt like for you, who has never been in a firefight. You're again, you're mistaking features for bugs.
0: Uh, Finlay Spencer of Little White Lies, top critic. The latest addition to Netflix's War Landfill. Yeah, no other studio makes war pictures ever. Yeah. Do you, do you remember around... Gosh, it was while I was living here. So it was within the last 14 years. But the one year the Oscars were all war pictures and it was all like Iraq
1: War. Uh Vaguely. I like I vaguely recall it.
0: <clears throat> there was a period where I feel like all studios were making were movies about the about the Iraq war not not the Gulf War the Iraq war the war one on yeah the war on terror like they were like 87 of them at one point yep yet this guy oh let's criticize Netflix for getting in on that war niche or you know that...
1: yeah yeah just idiots
0: <laughs> <coughs> well folks that was our year in review it sucked off to a bad start yay universal all right here's what's going on the universal (laughs) here's what's going on in the month of january we're back on tuesday january 10th with megan and then we're back on the 17th again tuesday for plane and then we're gonna do two weeks of netflix movies to close out january we got glass onion and then the pale blue eye uh have you seen
1: glass onion yet not yet did you see my thoughts i did
0: um, all right, in February, and then I'll s- stop doing plugs month out. Uh we've got knock at the cabin on... Because things changed that frequently. Yeah. <laughs> Especially hey, in my life. Here's,
1: here's our plan for February. And then a week later, like half this half the movies move, and you decide no, these dates don't work for me anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get invited to stuff.
0: Um knock at the cabin, the new um M Night non movies on Tuesday, the seventh. Uh, since I don't want to annoy my family and work on Valentine's Day. We are doing our best, 2023 Best Picture survey uh, for DM. The first year we're going to do this. We're basically In myself, Angeles Alexis, goes. and Robert <clears throat> are going to briefly discuss all of the Best Picture nominees, which we should, we should have them by then. <clears throat>
1: Watch them delay the list just to annoy us. And
0: then, yeah, well, then we're going <laughs> to make something up, I guess. Uh, February 21st is Ant Man and the Wasp, and then because I may or may not be at a hockey game on the 28th. We've got cocaine bear woo on February 27th as for what we're doing this week. um, I uh, did at a a couple of boxing shows. Well, first of all, January 1st, it's me, Robert and Jason talking zombie tidal wave. And for whatever reason, our YouTube numbers on that were like by comparison to some other stuff like shot through the roof. People really on YouTube wanted to hear us talk about zombie tidal wave.
1: They wanted to watch zombie tidal wave
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tuesday uh, uh, Monday. It was an unspoken issues for a Superman hunter prey. I re-released our Kanaki versus Ariola alternative commentary yesterday, and then this morning, Joshua versus Ruiz won. It's worth a listen just to hear Joshua lose that fight, and then me and me, Pat, and Robert try to figure out the mystery of what happened to Anthony Joshua during. How that many fight.
1: drugs he was on?
0: Yeah. <laughs> mm, tomorrow, I will be on uh, movies that some movies that suck and some that don't. Uh, as of today, I haven't done it yet, but we came to an agreement today. The guys on movies that suck and some that don't have decided they want to be part of the W2M family. So like we do with okay. that wrestling show and some other podcasts, we're going to be putting their shows on our stream. So we'll have some more movie content for us. You know, we don't get to everything and they tend to uh, by hook or by crook. So, you know, it will be nice to have them for some extra movie reviews. It'll be fun. Um, in the meantime, I'll be on their show doing their year in review. And then in the evening, uh, right after that, we'll be doing the Risky Rebellion. We're going to be talking about the rise of board game culture, the funniest stories, of uh, local stories of 2022. Jeff's going to make us react to a band-made video, and Jesse's going to show us pictures of infected penises. That's how that goes. Um... Why did you bring that back? (laughs) And then... Robert's back with some uh, old, everyone loves the bad guy, we're kicking the year off with evil corporations, and then David Bowie died uh, a couple years ago. On Several years ago. Yeah. <laughs> not breaking tri- news, he's been dead for a while. We did a tribute show to him, it was me, Pat, and my wife, so <clears throat> we'll be re-airing our uh, David Bowie tribute. Alright, <clears throat> I can't breathe anymore, so you go ahead and do your plugs, let's get out of here.
1: Well, uh, in the interest of not having to watch Mark turn purple... <laughs> As his body tries to oxygenate itself, I cover mixed martial arts and professional wrestling for 411mania.com. Uh, that's A- I cover AEW's Dark Elevation on Mondays, MLW stuff on Thursdays. In so fact, I have to do that after this, and then WW SmackDown on Friday. I cover MMA events on Saturdays when the UFC has them. There is no event this Saturday. However, the first episode of the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast for the year of 2023 will be recorded this Sunday evening. That will be a preview of the upcoming UFC event and a look back at some of the news from the last few weeks because uh, I, the UFC stopped airing events a little bit before Christmas, per usual, holiday break at the end of the year, and there wasn't a whole lot going on in the MMA world, so I took a couple of weeks off. And my first show back, I get to talk about dead beloved fighters, the president of the UFC's domestic violence issues, and the like. And a a former MMA star being arrested in Mexico for allegedly beating his girlfriend to death. So that's going to be a cheery show. (laughs) Great way to kick off the new year. Ain't it just. And allegedly, well... A, for, I think he's. I don't know if he's still with the UFC or not. I don't think he is, but um, he might be. I forget. Uh, anyway, fighter, former UFC fighter, current UFC fighter, Anthony Rocco Martin is threatening to release a bunch of dirt on Kayla Harrison, his former manager Ali Abdelaziz, and Tyrone Spung. So yeah, Tyrone Spung been enough, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what he's going to be accused of.
0: All right, folks. Thank you for joining us on our first uh, Damn You Hollywood of the Year. The intention is to go weekly between now and uh, the end of the year, except for uh, even when I'm out, because I think you guys are going to do Scream while I'm on vacation. So hopefully you'll enjoy all the movie reviews we do as we track Hollywood's uh, fall from grace. (laughs) For Robert Winfrey, I'm dying. Be well, be safe, and behave. (laughs)